Well, thank you, Pastor Stephen. What a great morning it has already been. Amen. Just to see followers of Christ uh, follow the Lord in baptism, and then to just see uh, and hear uh, what our kids are learning in uh, in Kids for Truth, and uh, just thank you to all of you who help uh, serve in those areas. Uh, great things are happening, as as Pastor Stephen even mentioned, uh, the paving the way campaign. Um, I, I was as I was walking in, I ran uh, walked past uh, Brianna, and she let me know that uh, the new parking lot is is already filled, um, and so that's a good thing. Uh, and uh, we're thankful for those of you that are here and a part of our of our service. We we've prayed for you, we've thought of you. Uh, we didn't necessarily know who you were, uh, but we have trusted that God has brought you here. And if you're here to uh, celebrate with those who are being baptized, uh, thank you for being here and a part of what is such a very special day uh, for each person uh, taking this big step of faith. And uh, I hope and pray that you've already been blessed by being a part of our service. As we continue in our worship, you've seen different elements of worship. Everything we're doing is part of how we worship God, even uh, through baptism. And, and through singing, and now it's through the teaching of the Word of God, is part of how we worship God even together. And so uh, we're going to continue in that uh, now this morning. And as you know, I hope you didn't need me to remind you, but this coming uh, Thursday is Thanksgiving. <clears throat> so hopefully you do, you do know that, and you're planning for that, and it is really one of the best holidays uh, on the calendar because it's a day uh, that is devoted to giving thanks, a day devoted to giving thanks. And, and that's something that I think we need, you know, not just uh, in our lives individually, but in our lives uh, corporately as a community, um, as, uh, as a region, as a state, uh, as a country, uh, as a people, we need that. And uh, so I, I wanted to start this morning with uh, just the beginning of this celebration of Thanksgiving. It started in uh, October of 1863 with a, a proclamation by our president, uh, Abraham Lincoln. And uh, I'm not going to read all of it because it's, it's pretty long, but I'm going to read a portion of it just so that you can hear and see, because this is the kind of thing I think that gets lost uh, over time. But here's what he said, uh, and I'll put it up on the screen for you to see as well. He said, the year that is drawing towards its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies to these bounties which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come. Others have been added, which are of so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart, which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God who while dealing with us in anger for our sins hath nevertheless remembered mercy. And it has seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him for such singular deliver deliverances and blessings, 
They do also with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience, commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged and fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. So this, is, this was written by a, a past president of the United States for our country to remember and have a day of giving thanks to God. So it's much more, obviously, than just turkey and football and pie and family. It is a time to remember and to give thanks to God. Now, I also wanted to do some searching of how we're kind of looking at this in modern times. And so uh, I've referred to uh, psychology today many times before. You've heard me. So they wrote an article just a few days ago about Thanksgiving. And here's what they said about giving thanks and gratitude. The article said that Thanksgiving gives us the opportunity to think about gratitude as a mindset and a practice, a form of self-care. And I just asked the question, is that what biblical Thanksgiving is? Is it a form of caring for self? Is it really about us? She writes later in in this article that the research shows that gratitude can make us feel better about ourselves. Again, is biblical Thanksgiving about us. It seems, as I was doing more and more reading, that the modern version of thanksgiving is really becoming, I am thankful for me. But is that what it should be? Is that what it should be? Is that what the scripture teaches? So what I want to do today is is give you the recipe, yeah, that recipe that fits for this week, right? For biblical thanksgiving, scripture, then what it's going to do is redirect our hearts And redirect our thanksgiving. And when we embrace it this way, it really can, I believe, really can transform our lives in a way that produces gratitude from our hearts and glorifies God. So let's pray together and ask God to do that. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for everything that has already taken place in this service today. We want as a people to unite together and give thanks to you, God. Help us learn from your word what this means, this this gratitude, this idea of thanksgiving to God. And help us, help us to be open to your spirit speaking to us individually of things that maybe we need to uh, adapt and change in our own lives to, to help us be people who are truly grateful and thankful to you. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So obviously, one of the reasons uh, that I wanted to uh, teach about Thanksgiving uh, as we head into this week, not just because of where we are on the calendar, is also it's because just as I approach these last two Sundays with you as your pastor, I'm incredibly grateful to God for all of you. Uh, my, my church family, my, my friends, my, my, my immediate family, an extended family. And, and so just this could not really be a better, a better time uh, for me because Thanksgiving just seems to be overflowing it, in me. I'm thankful to God, thankful to all of you, thankful for 
all of you. Uh, I want to say thank you for the just wonderful farewell dinner we had on, on Friday night. Uh, thank you to the staff, because I know you worked very hard in organizing uh, that. Uh, I've been behind the scenes on those things, and they do not just come together. Uh, uh, thank you to all who came, and many of you said you weren't able to be a part of it, and thank you just for your encouragement. So just thank you. Thank you. I want to get started and look at this first passage of Scripture that will continue this theme really, of giving thanks. And, and the first passage I want to look at is Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. And, and it's interesting because Amazon uh, took note that this passage of Scripture is one of, uh, based on the research that they do, uh, is highlighted. Uh, they believe that many, any other verse uh, in the Bible, and they got that just by some of the readers that do the reading through, uh, through their software and Kindle and things. So it's clearly something that people in in the world are looking for. Paul wrote this letter to believers in Philippi, and he's giving them encouragement to continue on in their walk with the Lord in their faith. He loves these believers. He wants to see them finish well. And and he says in verse uh, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, which is interesting. You know, we get this command, this exhortation to rejoice. Again, I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, we're only going to be really focusing on verse 6, but I wanted to read just the passage just to help us with context. And again, the context is exhortation and, and encouragement from the apostle to believers, to, to those who would be gathered in Jesus' name like, like we are today. And in verse 6, Paul starts by giving us a, a negative command. It's written in the negative. Do not be anxious about anything. That, that's the negative. It, it, and so to say it positively, it would be be anxious for nothing. Now, what does Paul mean when he writes this word anxious? The, the word that, he's, that we're translating into that to that English word in the Greek has a meaning of being troubled with cares, the cares of life, troubled with cares of life. And, and so Paul means for us to not be troubled with the cares of this life. But Paul tells us more. He tells us more than just that. He also says, do not be anxious about anything. Now that, that, that word covers a lot of ground anything. Paul is telling these believers and all of us not to be troubled with the cares of this life in every and every matter. Essentially, Paul is disallowing anxiety and anxiousness in any area of life. He's not saying it's okay to be anxious about certain things and not okay, you know, to be anxious about other things or, or that maybe are more trivial. He's not qualifying some anxiety and only addressing, again, just a certain portion of anxiety. No, he specifically writes, do not be anxious about anything. So instead of that, he says, do this. This is now the positive command. The positive command is in everything, by prayer, let your requests be made known to God. So instead of being anxious, Paul says, instead of that, in prayer... Let your request, let your request, 
what is going on in your life, what's going on in your heart, be made known to God. Do not be anxious about the cares of this life. Instead, through prayer, bring your cares to God. Now, notice how the positive command says that in everything by prayer, let your requests be made known to God in everything. And so what you can see here is a contrast. Paul is contrasting something here. And and you can see it in the text because it's do not be anxious about anything. And then the other side is, but in everything, pray. There's the contrast. Scripture is telling us to pray about everything. Don't just pray when you're in crisis. Just don't, don't, don't just pray when you need something. Don't just pray when your health is not doing well. But in everything, pray. And when it comes to anxiety, do not be anxious about anything. Pray for everything. And so the contrast is clear. And, and, and these are comprehensive words that he's using. And again, we, we understand, we've talked about this many times as a church, how we understand the scriptures. These words are not there by accident because he couldn't think of a better word. These are words that are inspired by the spirit of God for us. So one should be pursued in everything, which is prayer, and the other should be resisted in everything. And that is be anxious for nothing. Now, in this text, Paul also gives us a, a, a secret ingredient. And I'm calling it a secret ingredient, but it's actually not technically a secret because he tells us what it is. And that kind of, right, defeats the, the, the definition of, of what a secret is. But it's a, it's a significant ingredient. And it's significant because if you forget this ingredient in your life, the whole recipe is off. Something will be missing and, and it will be noticeable that it's missing. It'll be noticeable. And, and, and this idea again of, of, of just a secret ingredient, right? It, it fits for, for Thanksgiving as you're thinking about making all these different, you know, dishes and, and desserts and things. You want to make sure that you don't forget anything in your ingredients or, or that maybe you have the ingredient, but you just forgot to put it in. Or, or you got the measurement off because you put the wrong measurement for the, you know, right ingredient. You want to get it th- done the right way. You want to put this together in the right way. It reminds me, reminds me of my dad because he would always put secret items in his pancakes and banana bread. Usually some tropical fruit ended up in there and... Uh, he would be, uh, in his example, he'd be adding ingredients that actually don't have to be included, right? And he wanted us to guess what it was. Uh, we usually knew uh, coconut, pineapple were the top two, right? But in, but in Paul's example here in the text, the ingredient he is adding is absolutely necessary. It's necessary for us to live without anxiousness and to live in continual prayer. And so this significant secret ingredient is thanksgiving. And it's the attitude, not the day. It's not the day. It's not make sure that, you know, you you just celebrate the day. It's the attitude. He writes in verse 6, and everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. 
This is the recipe for biblical thanksgiving in everything by your prayers and your petitions. Let your requests be made known to God. Yes, do that. Let God know the things that are going on in your life, the things that you're feeling, the things that you want to go to him with. But don't forget thanksgiving is what, he, is what the text is saying. Don't forget that. With thanksgiving. Make sure to add that in. Make sure you don't attempt prayer without thanksgiving. You see, if you forget this, your prayer will not taste good to the Lord. It's interesting. We did a series on prayer several years ago. And if you remember, the first, uh, the first message uh, that I did when we were looking at that is actually when Jesus taught us to pray, the first thing he taught us is how not to pray. And that was like a revelation, right? You're like, oh, just pray. You should always pray. And then the first thing Jesus says, well, when you pray, don't pray like this. We, we forget that. There's actually a right way to do this and a wrong way. And this ingredient is a part of the right way. It's an attitude. In fact, I believe it's the, really the foundational attitude of all prayer to God is this attitude of thanksgiving to God. Our prayer to God must be saturated with thanksgiving. He's not, Paul's not calling for just, you know, like some of those recipes, they say a sprinkle, you know, or, or a pinch. He's not saying that. He's not just a sprinkle of thanksgiving, just a, you know, a pinch of, uh, of, of gratitude. No, he's saying your entire attitude must be marinated completely in thanksgiving. And then offered to God. It's, it's the difference between, you know, putting a little bit of seasoning on, on some meat and, and like what I like to do is take it and put it in a Ziploc bag, you know, and it's just like drenched in it. And then you leave it in there like a day or two and then you take it out. This is what he, this is the same idea here. Not a touch of Thanksgiving, but attitude saturated with Thanksgiving. Now with this in mind, we need to understand what it is. So what is biblical Thanksgiving. And I want to stay with the metaphor here and give you these, what, what would really be these ingredients of biblical Thanksgiving. And the first one is this Thanksgiving to God. Now, this idea of Thanksgiving to God, you may, you may hear that and think, well, that's really obvious, Pastor. Like, really, that's pretty obvious. Why would you list it? it, it you know, sometimes what I've learned is sometimes the most obvious things uh, are, are, are some of the most difficult for us. So it might be obvious, but it's actually not something that we're all necessarily good at. Thanksgiving to God. True thanksgiving starts with the ingredient of being thankful to God. And, and for many, what's happened is thanksgiving has turned into a holiday of being thankful really to no one in particular. You see, you see, you see commercials, you see advertisements. Most of the population is being encouraged to be thankful. Just not thankful to God. They're just to be thankful. That is not what the scripture is calling us to. And in the case of psychology today, they encourage being thankful for yourself and saying thank you to yourself, which I actually think coming from this book is the recipe for be anxious about everything. That's really the recipe for that. 
the recipe for actually being able to carry all of your requests and everything before God is a heart full of thanks to God. Some are thankful to the universe. Some are thankful to Mother Nature. Some are thankful for Mother Earth. Some are thankful for the sky, the ocean, the rain, the river, the quiet, the peace of the woods. You name it. There's thankfulness for all these things. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we are not generally thankful. We are specifically thankful. There's a difference. We are thankful to God. So our thanksgiving is directed. And it is directed to the one and only true God of the universe. The God of the scriptures. We are thankful to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's very specific, directed thanks. So let me encourage you, do not let your celebration of Thanksgiving be general. No matter what family is around you this Thanksgiving, make your thankfulness God-directed. Be thankful to God. You're not just generally thankful. You're specifically thankful to God. In Romans chapter 1, Paul was talking about the problem of sin with humanity. And he said in Romans 1.21, put it up here for you to see. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or what? Give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. This, this text in Romans 1, we know this text in Romans 1 as a text that's letting us know of generally the problem of humanity, right? The sin of humanity and, 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 and what Jesus had come uh, to, to remedy and take care of. But the problem of Romans 1 is not simply a lack of thanksgiving. It is misdirected thanksgiving. They did not give thanks to God. And what happened? What does Romans 1 tell us? Because they didn't give thanks to God, their thinking became futile. That doesn't sound familiar to what we might see happening in our world today. Futile thinking. Their hearts darkened. Futile thinking, hearts darkened. And we see this all over the place. Because we have people who are not thankful to God. Instead, they are more thankful for themselves and anything but God. And may we, his people, direct our thanksgiving to God. But we're not just thanks to God, but thanksgiving for God. The second ingredient of, thank, uh, of, of, of thankfulness and thanksgiving is thanksgiving for God. So we're not only thankful to God, but we're going to be thankful for God. So we see his love, his mercy, his compassion, and we're thankful. We're thankful for God. We're thankful for who God is, for his attributes, for, for the very things that make him God, which are revealed in his word. We're not only thankful for creation, we're thankful for the creator. And biblical thanksgiving give, gives thanks to God and gives, gives thanks for God 
And it comes from a heart that loves God for who God is, not for who we want God to be. God doesn't ask you to be thankful to the God you want him to be. He's not asking you to be thankful to the God you are trying to make him be for you. He is saying, be thankful to the God and for the God who has been revealed to you as he is. So we're not thankful for God only when he acts in a way that we like. That's not thankfulness. That's really just selfishness. Because we're thankful only when he does what we want. No, we're thankful for a God who always acts in a way that proves that he alone is God. Especially, especially when it's in a way we don't like. Or wouldn't ask for. But we can trust that he is still God and he can be trusted in the midst of it. So what we want is we want God to be God, to be who he is. And that is the God we're thankful for, the God that he is. And so biblical thanksgiving requires thanksgiving to God and thanksgiving for God. But there's also another necessary ingredient, and that is contentment with God. Contentment with God. Biblical thanksgiving requires this ingredient of contentment. Just a few verses down in this chapter, Paul writes about this in verse 11. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Paul had to learn contentment in order for thanksgiving to come from his heart. He even says in verse 12 that he learned the secret. And I think the secret he is referring to includes contentment. Contentment and trust in the God who strengthens him to do all things, which is what he says in verse 13. Contentment and thanksgiving are close allies. They're close allies. You will not find true thanksgiving to God without contentment. And you will not find someone who is truly content, who's also not thankful. They just go together. It, it, and contentment is not something that you leave this service and say, oh, that's, I wrote that word down. The pastor mentioned it. And over the next couple of days, I'm just going to be content. I'm going to make myself content. It doesn't happen that way. It, it's something that is produced in you. How? How is contentment produced? It's produced in you as you continue in your own heart to be thankful to God and for God. See, this thankfulness working in you, this thanksgiving working in you will produce something that in your life, well, you'll look around and be content with where God has you, what he's doing, where he's leading you. Now, again, staying with this metaphor, there are ingredients to avoid because you can't mix other ingredients into your heart and into your life and expect biblical thanksgiving to be produced. It's kind of like you can't just throw anything you want, right, uh, in your pantry, throw it in a bowl, mix it up, put it in the oven, and 
put it out and everyone's going to like it, right? That's not going to work too well. Like it needs to be put together the right way. So for this, I want to look at Ephesians 5. So you can turn there, Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 1. I'll put it up on the screen for you to see. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But here are the things that need to not be a part. Sexual immorality, all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be, here's some more things, can't have this either. No filthiness, no, nor foolish talk, crude joking, which are out of place, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. This is really amazing, mind-blowing truth here. Because the scripture is saying that you should be an imitator of God, that you should walk in love. That needs to be just played out, thought about. What does that mean? Walk in love just as Christ loved you and gave himself for you. And then since he did that, there are things that need not be present in your life. Sexual immorality which would basically be any, any kind of sexual activity outside of marriage between a man and a woman, according to the scriptures. That's what the scripture teaches. That would be considered, according to a scriptural basis, sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness. That's an interesting one to be kind of put alongside sexual immorality and impurity is covetousness. Well, what is covetousness? Well, that's the antithesis of contentment. Those things shouldn't even be named among you is what, is what this text is saying. Make sure to remove filthiness. Profane talk shouldn't be coming out of your mouth. Cursing and swearing, crude joking. Basically, what this text is saying, not seeking to make humor out of wickedness. Don't make something that is wicked and sin something that you're making humorous. Jokes out of. Nothing impure. And again, no one should covet. Either. And then again, at the end, it, it almost doesn't seem to fit, right? Instead of all that, the scripture says, let there be thanksgiving. Now, if you were writing this, you know, for a devotional or something, you'd be like, all right, I'm going to list all these things. And I'm going to say, instead of all these bad stuff, let there be this. And I don't know how many of us would come up with thanksgiving there. Might come up with holiness. Might come up with righteousness. Might come up with purity. But Paul being inspired by the Spirit of God, what we're looking at here is the revelation of God. It is Thanksgiving. And not just Thanksgiving Day, but Thanksgiving in our hearts to God for God. And what this is written as, it's written as a replacement for all those other wicked, sinful desires. Instead of the wicked desires of sexual immorality, profane talk, and covetousness, let there be something else in your heart, in your attitude. Biblical Thanksgiving. But why Thanksgiving? Why that, why that choice? Why, why would the Spirit lead there? Because true biblical thanksgiving displaces sinful attitudes. Those other sinful attitudes rise from a heart that is just not thankful to God. They rise from a heart that is not grateful for God. And that's why, that's why we would pursue, 
in the case of these, of these wicked things that are listed here, we would pursue other methods rather than finding our satisfaction in God, we will, we will pursue other methods, other things to pursue that are outside of God's design. And what that's proving to us is we're not thankful to God. We're not thankful for God because we're saying, God, what you're, what you're saying, what you're doing isn't enough. I need to go outside of what you've designed and do it my way. So a heart that is truly thankful to God displaces these things that we're talking about here. And so if you, if you kind of, if you kind of summarize this based on what we're looking at here in these two passages, right? Ephesians five basically says, instead of this wickedness, let there be thanksgiving. And then Philippians four, what we're reading is saying, instead of this anxiety and anxiousness and worry, let there be thanksgiving. Saying it a little bit of a different way, both texts, but emphasizing this attitude. And so it seems as we, as we step back from the text, we step back from both, Ephesians 5 and Philippians 4, it seems biblical thanksgiving is not self-centered. It's God-centered. Biblical thanksgiving is centered on God. And so the question is for you as, you, as you're, as you're thinking about this today and heading into this week, is there biblical thanksgiving in your heart? Daily thanksgiving, not just once a year, not a once a year thing, but a daily thing. What we need to do is heed this calling of Ephesians 5 and let there be thanksgiving. Now, I want to ask this question for you to think about as well. Why should Christians, believers in Jesus Christ, why should we be especially thankful? Why would we, why, why would that matter for us? Why, why, why should Christians be the most thankful people on earth? Well, I, I can tell you some things that it's not because of starting there. It's not, it's not necessarily because of our health, because we have the, the you know, the greatest health, uh, not because of, we have necessarily the greatest families, jobs, uh, things. Not, it's, it's, it's not those things. Now, we should be thankful to God for the things he gives us and, and have that heart. But they're not the primary drivers of our thanksgiving to God. Well, why is that? Well, for one reason, they can all be taken away. You can lose your health, job, loved ones. You can lose things, and with those losses, the question that the scriptures would ask is, with those losses, should you also lose your thanksgiving? The biblical answer to that is no, because things can be lost, but the primary reason that a born-again believer, John 3, right? Jesus said you must be born again. Born-again believer should be the most thankful people on earth is because there are blessings from God that we cannot Ever lose. Ever. First is God Himself. And that's that God centered thought about Thanksgiving. The gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, which we take time to celebrate as a church, and we do it really well 
at Advent time, right? We celebrate the coming of Christ into the world. The incarnation of God, the son should be celebrated. Salvation, mercy, grace, your eternity. Think about this life. Think about all the things we can point all of us to a million things that are going wrong in our lives and in this world. But those things I just mentioned, none of those things that are going on can change any of that. Jesus has redeemed us from our sin. He has removed our sin. We've been given new life. You are redeemed, forgiven, loved, reconciled, adopted, his child. Can't lose that. You've been given life eternal. An eternal inheritance with God awaits us all. And in spite of all we've done, which all each of us have done plenty, to deserve death, to deserve judgment. Instead of that, we get mercy and grace because of the work of Christ that we've trusted in, in faith. And we've been given eternal life. None of that can be taken away. God has done it. And it is, it's secure. And so it's, is it any wonder then why, why Christians should be and can be the most thankful people on earth? Because we can we can look to God and be thankful for who he is. We can be thankful for the things that he's given to us. We can have God-directed thanksgiving. So yes, I want to encourage you to enjoy your Thanksgiving celebration this week. But I want to encourage you to do so with thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving for God. And with holy contentment in your heart. Because this is biblical thanksgiving. And so I'll end with what Paul wrote in Ephesians 5. Let there be thanksgiving in our hearts the way that God has called us to. Let's pray together. Lord, help us to be thankful people by allowing you, Spirit of God, to do a work in our hearts so that we can have true gratitude and thanksgiving to God and for God arise in us, created uh, in us, produced in us as a result of the spirit of God working in us, Lord. We, we are not going to strive to do this on our own. We're not going to try to make this a, a part of our to-do list. We're going to submit ourselves to the spirit of God and allow the spirit to produce these things in us. So God, help us. Help us, help us individually, help us as a people, as a group, as families, as a church. Help us, Lord, to be thankful to you, thankful for you. Give us that kind of attitude and approach. We're so, we want to humble ourselves before you even now and give praise to you for the wonderful things you've done for us. But Lord, not just for the things you've done for us but for who you are. We're so thankful. We give you all the praise, all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.